welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. I want to start with you from Psalm 43 and verse 3 in the New Living Translation. It says, send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. God's light, God's truth. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, which is the house of God, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my heart, O God, my God. I read one translation this afternoon that said, I will praise you with the harp in my heart. I'll praise you out of the melody of my heart. I love how this verse highlights the fact that the Word of God, the light of God, when it comes into our life, causes us to go to the altar. And the altar is always representing the place of sacrifice. The altar is always representative of the place where you go to meet God. And some of you are coming for a water baptism tonight, but really you're coming to an altar of God where you've decided I'm gonna come there and offer up my life as a living sacrifice from this moment forward as best as I can. I'm gonna live for God and not for myself. And I wanna tell you tonight that when you do that, everyone in your world will have a better experience of you. You'll become a better version of yourself. Some people won't like the fact that you did it, but long term, you'll become a better version of yourself, a better influence on those close to you. And sooner or later, I can remember when I surrendered my life to Christ, I I lost my friendship circle because I chose to leave them because I wasn't strong enough to stay in God and around them. I I can remember that we lost a lot of our family in close connection because they thought we'd gone weird as if we weren't already weird. I mean, what, 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 what responsible parent feeds their six-year-old child espresso coffees? Mine did. It's Italian. I was drinking my first glass of wine at seven or eight years old, never been drunk, wasn't over the top, but it was just the culture we raised up in. Yeah, we come into church and we get cleaned up of all sorts of different things and someone thinks it's weird, but you judge a tree by its fruit. And here's the thing tonight, that God wants you to be a tree that puts your roots deep down into Christ and over the long haul, over the long game, produce fruit. And you've got to know that you're going to produce fruit as you stay on the course with God. And so I want to talk to you about coming to the altar. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, once coming to Christ, we are encouraged to move into a zone where we're transformed. And we begin to think very differently than the people around about us that don't know Christ. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Beloved friends, we should be, what should be our proper response to God's marvellous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be His sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all the delights of His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. We're encouraged to be transformed, not conformed. 
We're encouraged to resist the culture of the world around us and embrace the culture of the Kingdom of God. I think it's important to actually sit back and go, okay, what does the culture of the world look like now? This is just my opinion in the next few moments and it may be worth nothing to you, but I think it's quite sound in reflection. But I would say that the the culture of the world today is narcissism. The definition of narcissism is inornate, Fascination with oneself, excessive self-love, self-promoting and vanity. I think it pretty much sums up the culture of the world around about us. You may not agree with that. You may have a different conclusion that you come to, but I guarantee you it doesn't come to the conclusion of the Kingdom of God. The culture of the Kingdom of God is meekness. And meekness is not weakness because it rhymes. Meekness from the Bible's point of view towards God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept His dealings with us as good. And therefore, without disputing or resisting, in the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly relying on God rather than their own strength to defend against injustice. Thus, meekness towards evil people means knowing God is permitting the injuries they inflict, that He is using them to purify His elect and that He will deliver His elect in His time. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite to self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trusting God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. This is a work of the Holy Spirit, not of the human will. I had to study that recently in depth and for a long time to make sure it was actually truth because actually I was looking at a situation of injustice and nothing fires me up more than injustice. I just can't handle injustice. And in this situation, it was close to home, but it wasn't under my jurisdiction. It wasn't my responsibility. But gee whiz, I wanted to make it my responsibility because I hate injustice. And I found myself not in a meek place at all. I wanted to get bold and robust and out there and in the face and I had to come to this and just go, oh, I've got to park here for a moment. But you know what? The culture of the kingdom has a faith that comes from the core of who we are, that even when someone slaps us, we can say to that person, okay, God can use this to teach me something. I'm not saying that I've been good in those moments in the past, but I'm trying to be in the future. John 10.10, Jesus said that the thief has a purpose to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus has a purpose to give us life, rich and satisfying. And that kind of life is defined as the Zoe kind of life, which is super abundant in quantity and superior in quality. And I got to encourage you tonight, those that are coming into the waters of baptism, those that are coming to church, wherever you are in your journey, God right now is setting things up so that you can come into a super abundant life, a superior life. The best is ahead of you. Bible says we've got to change the way we think because out of our heart flow the issues of life. The Bible actually says that the way that I think in my heart is the way that I'm going to be. You could say it another way, the condition of your heart determines the quality of your life. I get scared when I read Scriptures in Jeremiah where it says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? No one feels encouraged right now, huh? 
But that's why God comes along and transforms our heart. When we surrender our life to Christ, He does reprogram that so that it can be set on a course for good and not for evil. When it comes to allowing God to transform you and transform the way you think, I think it's essential to know how God does that transforming. Yes, it's by the renewal of the mind, but it only takes place if we allow ourselves to be immersed in kingdom culture. Would you agree with that? That it's not just going to happen by some magic download into the brain. I like to look at it in the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, going through the wilderness into the promised land. That is the journey of salvation that God takes out of darkness. We go through wilderness experiences so He can get darkness out of us so that we can then go and live in victory over darkness in our promised land. Egypt is a place of not enough. Wilderness is a place of just enough. But the promised land is where God wants us to live in a land of more than enough, a land flowing with milk and honey. God wanted His people to worship in the wilderness. It doesn't matter whether you're in the wilderness or in the promised land, God's calling you to worship. I'd rather be a worshipper in the wilderness than a, a, a captive in Egypt, a bond, in bondage in Egypt. And so I, this whole thing of baptisms is a principle in Scripture. It's the immersion principle. And so I just want to look quickly at four baptisms that the, the Bible's really clear on in, in the New Testament. I think there's about seven really. One of them I don't want to go to because it's all about persecution and I hate it. Uh, leave that for another time. Leave that for the deep Bible study that I'll do down the track with the elect few out the back that are ready to look at it. Just jokes. Come on, lighten up. Come on, I know. The water baptism is the first one. Obviously, we're going to do it tonight. It's a baptism into water. And so God has designed us by nature to take on, we are designed by God to take on the nature of the substance that surrounds us. And so God putting you into water as a first step in your journey of faith in Christ, God is actually wanting us to take on the nature of water. The nature of water is cleansing, it's refreshing, it hydrates. The nature of water is humble. If I had a glass of water now and poured it out on the floor, it would go to the lowest place in the room. And when we, when we walk into a room, God, Jesus said that we shouldn't go to the high places, but we should sit in the lower places. And then as we sit in those lower places, God will find someone that will raise us up. And so when you come into the kingdom, the very first thing God wants is for us to be the kind of people that will start at the bottom and allow God to build us up, that wherever we go, we refresh others instead of draining others. Have you ever been one of those people that's been a drain on others? Don't want to admit it. But now we refresh others. We also aren't the kind of people that walk into the lunchroom on Thursday afternoon and tell dirty jokes. We now tell dad jokes. <laughs> They're clean and corny. I just gave all the men a licence for dad jokes. Not that we needed one. The first baptism is a baptism into water, but there's also a, bapti a baptism into the church. The Bible says in Colossians that when we, when we come to Christ, He takes us out of the kingdom of darkness and translates us into the kingdom of His love. Now, the kingdom of God is quite mystical. You can't really touch and see the kingdom of God, but you can touch and see the church. 
The church is the physical representation of the kingdom. You can build the church, you can't build the kingdom. The kingdom has already been built. We extend the kingdom into people's hearts. But this second baptism is a baptism into the church where now we meet together on a regular basis at church, in Connect, in ministry teams, in coffee shops, wherever it is, we meet with Kingdom of God people and we begin to take on the nature of Kingdom of God people, holy people. Then the last two baptisms are a baptism into the Holy Spirit, which I think are really important for us to understand in fullness. Let me read Ephesians 1 to you first. As a prisoner of the Lord, I pleaded with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank given to you in your divine calling with tender humility and quiet patience. Always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially those who may try your patience, <laughs> like the person you're married to. Never happens to me, but apparently in some marriages it does. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit as you're all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one and so are we. For we share in one faith, one baptism, one Father. And He is the perfect Father who leads us all who works through us all and lives in us all. And He has generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. I guess you could right there say, Claude, did you just say there were four baptisms, but that right there said there was one. That one baptism right there is the one baptism of salvation. If you go over into Hebrews, you'll see that in the basic doctrines of Christ, the word there for baptisms is plural, and then go throughout the rest of the New Testament, you'll find these other baptisms re revealed. Can I talk to you about, in the next few minutes, just Holy Spirit baptism and fire baptism. Right. And so we have not built a fire out the back, it's okay. Holy Spirit baptism has been misunderstood. Like water baptism in the mid-1600s, I believe, maybe 1700s was, the word was changed because of a king that didn't want to get fully dunked in the water because it wasn't a dignified thing to do there. So that's where sprinkling came in instead of full immersion. But this Holy Spirit baptism is the kind of baptism that changes your very nature. It's not just a dunk, but an immersion. In fact, it's a soaking. It's quite like pickled onions, really that if I had freshly peeled onions in my hand right now and started to hand them out, there wouldn't be too many of us that would bite into them like an apple. But there are a few of us, if we were handing out pickled onions, how many would join me in eating pickled onions? Look, all the, all the very intelligent people. It's interesting that that onion is still an onion, but its nature has been completely changed as a result of the pickling process. You need to know tonight that in terms of Holy Spirit baptism, it doesn't take place just after one dose or one dunk, that God actually wants you to be immersed in the Holy Spirit so that your very nature can be transformed. You'll still be you, but you'll be a better version of you. And then finally, the Bible does talk about a fire baptism that comes from the Holy Spirit, which is an empowerment of God. Um, 
tonight we are sitting in this room with lights and controlled heating or cooling, whatever it's on right now. And essentially that power has come from a source, which is fire. When the Bible talks about a baptism in fire, I know that we Pentecostal Charismatics have been famous for talking about it being the thing that burns through the dross and breaks off the bondages and sets you free. And it's true, but essentially it is the power of God that gets in our life so that we can live the lives we've been called to live. Grace is God's willingness to provide His power on our behalf and it comes from a baptism of fire. Salvation came at the cross, but the empowerment of God came at Pentecost. And you've got to understand as you move into the understanding of that, it is your inheritance in God. It is your inheritance in God, not just to live saved and on your way to heaven, but to live filled by the power of God to live out your purpose in His Kingdom that God wants you to be a powerful individual. I like how that verse says there that we've been given supernatural grace, the ability of God. I'm stunned how willing God is to provide His power for us to do the things we're called to do, that go beyond our human ability and turn into supernatural. As the romantic music players come and join me and those getting water baptised prepare to be water baptised. I don't think fire baptism is a safe baptism. Holy Spirit baptism. is not God trying to touch you by your spirit, by His Spirit, but He wants to actually transform you by His Spirit. When you take on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you take on the nature of God at a new measure, holiness, which shouldn't be a scary word. Holiness really does mean fulfilling the purpose of God. The one thing you're gonna know that when you come into the things of God is purpose is gonna become your number one pursuit in life. What is the purpose of my life? In water baptism, we accept our identity in God. You're now a saint, not a sinner. You're now a saint, not a sinner. That's the, that's the identity that comes upon your life. In, in church baptism, you've made this decision that I'm now gonna be influenced by people of God. You see, because repentance is three things. It's a change of heart, change of mind, and a change of direction. You cannot change your heart. Psychology can't change your heart. Study can't change your heart. Only God can change your heart. You can change your mind through self-development, personal development. You can change your direction of life. If your life is heading in the wrong direction, take a look at the people closest to you. We keep banging that drum for young people. It's time we beat that drum drum for adults too. If you want to have a look at the direction of your life, have a look at your closest circle, your circle of love. And that doesn't mean to change them, they're all bad. They're just maybe not on the same destiny path that you've called to. Essentially, I think the best outcome is that you begin to make them your project in God and become the influencer to lead them on the things of God. And so coming into the Kingdom, 
It's not that we all have to dress the same, speak the same, but essentially along the way, we do start to kind of look the same. It's a bit scary. I think I need to get some ink so I can look like my brothers. I've been dipping my toes in that idea for a while. Might be time to jump in. Baptism into the Holy Spirit, that immersion, is such a beautiful thing in a journey. I want to encourage you to stay on the path of being immersed in the things of God. That's why we're not, a call, we're not called to attend church, we're called to be in church. We're not trying to get you to sign up for Connect Group. We want you to be in Connect Group because that's where the discipleship process just becomes so organic, so natural, so real. Love to pray for you in this moment. Father, I want to thank you right now that whilst the Word is short and compact, God, I pray that it would be clear for us to take our next step in You. I want to thank You for every single person here under the sound of my voice today, that God, they would have hearts that are open, minds that are receptive, so that You can sow the seed of Your powerful Word into their lives and cause it to come forth in harvest form. In Jesus' Name. Amen. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.